Good day, good evening, good afternoon, good night, good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to episode number 15, I think we are, of the Black Cauldron. I know, I think you will get a happy surprise, you will get a double deluxe, because I believe two episodes might be coming out in the space of one week or something, and we decided to take a break it seems like for two weeks but um we had recorded in the previous episode which i hope you love episode number 14 we sure had a lot of fun doing episode number 14 um as you can tell and just to let you know if there are any voice over directors out there in the midst we're all available we got nothing but time we're looking for <laughs> some checks we're looking for some new opportunities in this current crazy economy so you can hit us up we're available for voiceover work anytime anywhere so we before I go any further, let me introduce my two co-hostesses with the mostesses. I am nothing without these ladies. And I missed you ladies. I miss our black cauldron conversation. You know, we talk elsewhere, but you know, meeting at the black cauldron where we have, you know, drinks, magical drinks and magical discussion, which always seem like real discussion of the real world problems, but still, this is a special time for me. How are you ladies doing? All right. Doing good. Doing good. So we have Professor Deb. How are you doing in Maryland? How is I'm it going? Doing, I'm doing good. We've, you know, we're. It's a wonder we're not all mushrooms here. We've had so much rain, but um, <laughs> we. We're it's doing, better than the heat. It's better than the heat. Well, we have. We would have both. I mean, we'd have the humidity, and then you know, then it would rain, and then we'd have more humidity. So, um, but we're we're okay. We're still standing. We haven't been washed away, and we're happy to be here. Yes, we are. And we have from far in Ohio, we have Janina. How are you doing? I'm okay. We too have had a shit ton of rain. Um, not the heat though. It's been cool. So that's been a nice change. My my herbs outside love it. Me, not so much. We had um, some, well, in the city itself, a lot of debris all over the place. But in like, the other, so the, the suburban areas like Westchester and Long Island and New Jersey, they had like power outages. Some people have, still haven't had power. They're not going to get it until perhaps Sunday. Um, oh. The city is demanding that they, um, why is Connecticut slow and this stuff? And I'm like, maybe because there's a pandemic, they can't get everybody out to work as normal. And, and maybe some of the people may have died. Uh-oh. That is a possibility. Uh, my friend was complaining he needed Wi-Fi, and I was just like, why don't you just go to a Starbucks? I was like, oops, no, you can't go into a Starbucks. That's right. You, need to, you have to go into someone's home in order to do, like, you literally have to go into a building in order to access anybody's Wi-Fi. So it's been trying times in, in all over the place and on top of, you know, shithead um, administration, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. But let us get into the world of Harry Potter, where Voldemort is alive and kicking. <laughs> so, which we don't know. But I just want to draw your attention before we go um, further about the interesting thing about book five and book six. It's the lack of physical presence of the modern day Voldemort. Voldemort is not in the mix though he is heavily he overlays the whole plot point for five and six but he's not physically present and i thought it was sort of interesting particularly in book six that present day voldemort is not present at all throughout the book but we do get some glimpse of who he is and what he's about 
But we are going on a slowly um, trajectory here because we love Booksick so much. I know Janina and Deb love it way more than I do, but I love it just the same. But we are going to our favorite place in the non-magical world, Perfect Drive. How do you ladies feel about coming back here? Mm, you know, Perfect <laughs> Drive is always um, an interesting place where we, we learn something, right? We learn a whole lot this time, um, but it's really a sad place. It's a traumatic place. It's depressing. <laughs> to say the least. You know, and it, it's something I think the movies sort of overlook so much and I, I don't know I think and when readers discuss this book they sort of just get into like you know the magic and the magical world but so much of what we would know when we get to the end of the book series happens so much the fundamental of this world actually of all this problem starts in the non-magical world basically <laughs> if, if, if if you can say you know Voldemort story um Snape story, Harry story, etc. It's fun. It's built in the outside world. Right. But we are at Privet Drive again. And this time we are told that Dumbledore is coming, which is, I mean, we've only seen Dumbledore here, what? Listen, that's years a, ago. this is a big deal. It's a big, a big deal. deal. <laughs> I mean, Harry doesn't even believe this is the truth, right? Yeah, he won't right. even pack his bags because he's like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> Exactly. Which I think is really foolish, but this is so typical Harry, right? A man without a plan, right? He's a reaction. When I see Dumbledore, I react. And I'll exactly. pack my bag right I'll away. Re- I'll, then I'll pack my bag. <laughs> but you know what's so interesting is when, when Dumbledore does come, you notice how Harry, um, you know, when, when, Dump, when the Dursleys are so rude to Dumbledore, just like when the Dursleys were so rude to the Weasleys, you know, Harry's quickly trying to um, keep those worlds apart. You know, he does. He wants things to. It's almost like he doesn't want the the magical world to see how badly he he's treated, and he doesn't want the Dursleys. It's almost like he doesn't want them to to stain his love of of the magical world. He doesn't even want any memories of the two worlds colliding. You know what I mean? And so it's almost like he's quick to try to, you know, that's okay. And they were like, say goodbye. And he's like, that's okay. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, but this is a coping mechanism because I think yeah. at this point he has, I mean, I mean, at every point, it seems like ever since we met, I don't want to say adult Harry, like 11 year old Harry, he's just letting everybody know, Oh, they just, this is them. Let it go. Yeah. Let it right, go. Right, you you right. can't, you cannot fix this. You cannot fix my problem with these people. Just right. let it go. Like, focus on the task at hand here. These people are who they are. They are beyond repair. And mm-hmm. what is surprising mm-hmm. is that, and we saw this from the very beginning, actually. McGonagall was just like, what? Who, these people? You, you, right. you cannot. Right. Almost, you cannot mean. She said, and Dudley had to have been, what, two? At this time, are less than about the same age as Harry, um, and McGonagall was just like he was kicking his mother up the street, <laughs> like for sweet, <laughs> like oh, gosh. this was just like because she was like so even she sensed that these people were like beyond repair, and right. nothing we have seen, and but we haven't seen any. Which I am not. If, if you tell me Dudley beats his parents, I'd be like. 
I believe that. You can't tell me anything different than that. But he constantly, and in every instant, you know, where he... And, I mean, they've had some... They've had... But also, in, in truth, they're, whenever these people collide with magic, it's always disastrous on their hands. Historically yeah. and in every single instance they've had, right? They have only seen magic or they've only experienced magic in a sort of unfortunate, in a malicious manner. I mean, for better or for well, worse. But it's always been brought on by them. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, what the Weasleys did was, and even what Hagrid did to, um, to, to Dudley, it was always because of their own poor behavior. It was always because they didn't like come into some swoop in and start treating the Dursleys yeah, bad. They were never attacked. Right. They always were like, oh my God, I can't believe how awful these people are. And here's a reaction. So, I mean, they always brought it on themselves. And, but of course, they act as surprised and as outraged. As right. <laughs> they don't like, they don't even know that they have been the most rude people in the world and they have like, generated I, this reaction. I think there was a scene where they're looking to see if someone else was in the room. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Number, yeah. Number two. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Like, who? Who? No, no, we would never. We would never. <laughs> but, um, before Dumbledore gets there, we see some that Harry is finally reading the newspaper now. And he's reading the whole paper, not just, you know, scanning the headlines. See, he does learn. Lesson learned. Um, yes, lesson learned. Maybe because he understands the politics of what's happening now, right? Because somebody have told him, you got to read a whole paper. And yep. now things have been, um, things have been changed now because... It's we have this. I think this has to be like two weeks, like or within two weeks, of the the incident at the ministry. Um, that whatever has um Dumbledore come in for Harry, and we've seen a lot of things has happened. We know Dumbledore, um, Voldemort is clearly moving out and is is operating in the open now. No need for secrecy. Um, despite his Death Eaters being in Azkaban. He is still able to do a lot of damage. We learned this from the of the minister chapter, and we also learned it here in Harry. He has been reading the newspaper, and he is aware of what is happening in the magical world. Particularly, the I believe it's hinted at, and and that it, it's. I guess we don't necessarily deal with news in this world as how we can see. I guess we in this current generation, our, our time. We understand news to be a big, big thing, right? News is like constantly everywhere, right? But right. Madam's Bones' death is it's, it's particularly significant, Susan Bones' death, because one, Voldemort killed her himself, it seems, and two, she was the head of magical law enforcement. She was a woman mm -hmm. particularly responsible for protecting the magical world in, England, in Great Britain, and she's dead. She winds up dead in no time, basically. Like, as soon as the war has as soon as the wall is away of the wall, you've lost the general. Like we, we got right. problems. The magical wall is in has a lot of issues, um, fundamental issues here, and it, it is cropping up. We are seeing the the I want to say the ineptness of the magical wall to deal with this Voldemort problem right away. Giants are running rampage all over the place. Their dementors are running free. They're no longer protecting the wizarding community, and. We have the magical law enforcement dead, and Harry Potter is still 
alive and well, so it seems. And that's a recipe for disaster for all of magical world, for both the good side and the bad side. Um, but here is Dumbledore coming in, and Dumbledore has to have some... Well, we meet Creature, we realize Harry is gets more money again, easily, without even... Um, Consider it well, just just money. Just Harry is just fortunate to be for, have a fortune again, um, unbeknownst to him. Sirius gave him a lot of money, but we also know that he inherited creature the the creature that he despised the most on Earth right about now, because he blames creature solely creature for Sirius is dead and Bellatrix. But Harry isn't processing that how he was kind of responsible for the whole incident, but. <laughs> he <laughs> he has shifted that blame onto creature onto these people. They are the ones responsible. And you know how we feel about magical psychology. It's not a thing. No one's no one's dealing with this thing. But you, it's it's funny how um, the Dursleys are being so typical, um, which is a trope in um, children literature about children who are wards and becoming burdened. Dudley, um, Uncle Vernon is immediately piqued by the what he has a house, he has been left money. Yeah, he's his... feeling greedy. He's like, What right. do you have that I can take? Exactly. I need well, payment. And remember, for... when he when Harry first realizes he has money in the first book, he said, It's a good thing the Dursleys didn't know about this, you know, mm-hmm. because you know, he knows that they're, they're so money grubbing and greedy that they would have figured out some kind of way, even though they have no truck with the magical world, if there's some gold involved, they're going to figure out a way to get a hold of it. Or mm-hmm. he think? Well, they, I, I mean, I imagine, well, because they would have definitely asked for um, payment because that's something um, yes. I think we saw that scene play out with, um, what's the aunt? In book three, right? She says, you know, you're right. ungrateful. They've taken you in. Oh, Aunt Marge, yeah. Aunt Marge, yes. right. So there is that economy that is always mentioned and going over Harry's head, right? You're ungrateful. We are doing this for you. And you deserve the hand-me-downs, etc. And how they purposely never give him anything. Like, he wouldn't get an ice cream. They've all... If they give, they've always been shamed into giving Harry something, right? They've been right. shamed Including into giving a him a bigger room. <laughs> they've been shamed into not kicking him up, kicking him out. You know, it, it's the, the the how they go about this situation. And I mean, this is such a. I mean, every you know, I, we are only experiencing six years of this in to a certain extent, right? Six, seven years of this. This is a whole lifetime for this child, and and. And this whole reading these books again, like we're doing now, I almost always want to stop right here because I have a lot of questions for everybody. The magical <laughs> world, like everyone. Like, y'all are cruel because the magical world knows exactly where Harry is. And I mean specifically where he is. Like he was in the cupboard. They knew exactly where he was. And no one did anything about it. And Dumbledore's conversation with the Dursleys states he knew exactly how Harry was being treated. Yes. And to me, I'm just like, this is unforgivable. Because I don't know if it's some sort of thought exercise in Dumbledore's head where 
because he is re- he's remarks of the fact that despite all of this, Harry is not broken. And I just like define broken, Dumbledore. Define exactly. broken because I don't know. Is it that you think Harry is a homosexual maniac? Is that what is not broken for you? Is <laughs> because okay, he might not want to kill people, but his actions will lead people to be killed. I'm surprised more people haven't died in well. But in in addition to that, I mean, it's obviously um, as much as we think Dumbledore knows all. Remember, he has to go through this exercise by bringing creature into the living room so that they can figure out if um, Sirius's bequest will work, you know, because they're not quite sure whether Sirius's wishes are going to be carried out in terms of leaving Harry um, Grimmauld Place and Creature, that Creature's loyalties would then be transferred because, you know, um, he's not a blood relative. Of, of of Sirius. So Dumbledore actually, you know, by him bringing Creature into the living room of the Dursleys, as if the Dursleys were already, um, you know, mumbling and what have you, um, he does that. He brings him right there. So it's really so interesting because, you know, he has to kind of go through these various tests to make sure that everything is actually you know that he that he can say okay unequivocally creature does belong to you so there are a lot of times when dumbledore doesn't always know exactly what you know what's what but 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 now that you say that you bring up you sort of hinted at it even more what's the word i want to use here not devious but more um macabre issue that happens to Harry, I would say. Because fresh off of any trauma that Harry has had, he has to immediately relive it. Right? right? And Dumbledore puts it in his face. We see this in book four, where Sirius says, oh no, you, you, you can't, surely you can't question Harry at this point. And right. Dumbledore says, no, 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 no. He has to do this right now. If I can delay this, I would. But it is very important. And I think it was the larger plan that Dumbledore had in mind he wanted to push. And they're like fresh a week or two weeks after this serious death. Again, Harry shut up in a place by himself to deal with it. No word from anyone, basically. And he brings the thing. Sorry for calling creature a thing, but in Harry's (laughs) mind, it's what it is. He brings the very thing that is responsible for him because in Harry's mind, it is creature because he tells Dumbledore this in the last book, right? You're not blaming Creature. You're blaming Sirius. You're saying this is Sirius' fault. And it's Creature. Creature was the one who did all of this. Because because that that was the thing that really sets Harry off to the ministry, right? Hermione was saying, no, don't go. And he says, I got to go check. And it's Creature who says, oh, he left. And he went and thing. And let us not forget, Dumbledore has to do some pretty nifty kind of persuasive magic. And I mean... When I say persuasive magic, I mean torture. He's already um, admitted that he knows how to, he's sufficient at legitimates to get Creature to tell him the truth. But also, for him to call Creature there is a level of magic. Which, mm-hmm. Because it goes beyond the ordinary powers and whatever. That might be a flaw by J.K. Rowling. But since it's Dumbledore, I'm going to say that Dumbledore did some kind of hocus pocus, you know. Dumbledore could turn off the wind. So, I mean, I don't think Creature is a match. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Dumbledore can turn off the wind. So he can definitely bring a house elf that doesn't belong to him into the fold. Uh, but but that was um that I thought was just fresh horror for Harry, right? And then it's right. off to go off. Okay, Harry, everything that you know brought about your godfather's death. But hey, let's go on a let's go on a little nighttime stroll. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and meanwhile, let me go deal with your aunt and uncle, and you know check them for treating you, you know, and just let you know you have one more year of this mess. We know you have your own house. You know what I mean? It's that thing, right? The grandma place now becomes that elusive thing that Harry mm-hmm. is so close to touching, but certainly can't get it, right? And, and the moment he we were alone, when he actually get into grandma place on his own, it's a hideout. It's not a safe refuge for too, for too long. I mean, there's danger literally at the door in grandma place. Um, but this scene, I've always loved this scene in a way because <laughs> it's the thing that Dumbledore says, you know, just like when Uncle Dursley Do- says, Uncle Vernon says, I don't mean to be rude. And Dumbledore just like, yeah, it's accidental rudeness. <laughs> I know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where you, people just say, I don't mean to be racist, but yet you certainly will be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, just like, right. is that set up? Then he reads them for filth. I mean, he said, <laughs> He tells them, you know, you 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 did all of this. You didn't do as I asked. You never treated him as a son. He has known nothing but neglect and, and often cruelty. And my one, the one thing he he takes heart in is at least he's not turned out as bad as this boy of yours. So, <laughs> so he he not only calls them bad people, he calls them bad parents, yeah. which yeah. is the thing that they hold most dear to themselves. Exactly. And, really and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> Our debtors? We've done nothing, you know. Right? They don't even. Understand. But they are so unsophisticated in that, you know, they don't even realize that they have this boy in front of them who really has no character, really, except you know the most basis of characters. So they they're fine with that. And poor D- even Dudders is looking around. He's like, who who, who we who we talking about now? Who? <laughs> I feel for. You know, sometimes I want to say that I feel sorry for Dudders, but then I'm like, Mm-mm. I know you're no, a nasty piece of work, no, Dudders. No, we we do not feel I, sorry I, for old I, Dudders. No, I mean because in the sense that you know, um, it doesn't take children. In in um, this happens a lot, not just with cousins, but in siblings, where the parents take, and we would see this later on in this book, right? Where a parent takes a particular liking to favors one child over the other, there's a direct favoritism, you know, obvious favoritism, and that child doesn't know how to. Our children don't know how to operate anything other than because it's one of those things where I'm benefiting from the system, right? Mm-hmm. I can't call out the power structure because one, that power structure might come down on me. Two, I don't want to upset my favorite favorite place um, because. I'm benefiting from this system. Why would I want to disrupt that? But it's it's how he... The thing about Dud, Dudley for me is that not only is he evil to Harry, he goes a step further to be very psychological about it. You know, the, the Dursleys are just like, you're trash, get out of our sight. But Dudley is like, hmm, how am I going to hurt you psychologically? I'm going to... 
I'm I'm not gonna put physical wounds on you. I'm gonna put psychological wounds on you. You're mm-hmm. you're at night screaming out some boy's name. Hmm. What's mm-hmm. wrong with you? And Harry knows exactly what that is, right? Which is a, a traumatic experience for Harry. You know, there's so much about these books. I'm just like, mm, this is not for children. This is not children's books. Nope. But I mean, the unfortunate thing is that so often children do behave in this kind of behavior. And obviously, the lonely adult. Why it was so it was so popular with kids was because it really did um, address the kinds of things, the kind of bullying, both from their peers and from the adults in their lives that they experienced, that nobody really gave a lot of word to. And I think that because it was so so much on display in these books, that um, that young readers really felt like, oh, she's telling it like it is. She's describing it. She's describing what my life is like as a young person, um, where I can be bullied by a teacher like Snape, or I can be bullied by a peer like Dudley. And I think that's why, you know, in a, in a psychological way, because kids recognize that you're messing with my mind, or that you're trying to anyway. So yeah, I think I think that's one of the reasons why they they were so popular. Yeah, I, I think, and I, I think this is, you're right about, you know, that, because, and then also it, it grew, right? Because what you constantly have is that Harry was thriving. Harry was ignoring it and thriving, seemingly ignoring it and thriving, despite right. all of these elements. And that's, I think, one of the more heroic efforts beyond the whole, you know, the whole magical, you know, defeating the Dark Lord was how Harry was coping. Thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things that, sort of resonates with Dumbledore. Um, it's a thing that people talk about when Dumbledore mentions in book five, you know, how he he's fond of Harry. And I'm like, well, I don't get it. But then as I'm reading it now more and more, I am getting what it is about Harry that he sees in himself. And we would learn later on that they had so many, there's so many elements about them that they are, that connect the two of them that most people are not aware of not, not not even people in the magical world are aware of that situation yeah so we move on to meeting um horace slughorn <laughs> harry notices that um <laughs> i hope did y'all catch up on the fact that slughorn is gay right i mean that's clear right but uh, it okay. is it is in my mind it's totally I not even assign any um, I, me either. To Horace Slughorn, he just seemed like one of those individuals, gay or straight, who was always looking out for himself, always looking out for how the people around him and surrounding himself with people he considered important enough to spend his time with, or the children of people he thought were important enough. Um, yeah, why why did you think he's gay? I just think he's a collector. Yeah. Oh, he's a collector, but there are certain um there's certain um I don't know, brilliance. There's certain I, I well I, let let me take that back. Let me just say you realize it's it's obviously gay. Let me just say that for me, reading the books even the very first time, there are several characters who I immediately suspected as being not only not necess- not only possibly gay. But there is the implication that they are gay. It is Dumbledore, Lockhart, um, Slughorn, and Elpheus Doge, which we shall meet. We will re-meet again. Yeah. 
um, in, in the next book, per se. I would get more familiar with who he is. But there is always this sort of, a, there is this hint in their clothing, just their mannerism, how they sort of like set up themselves within a certain room. But you're right, there is a sort of a, the more overwhelming um, element about Slughorn is this collecting habit of his about seeming to, um, I think Dumbledore um, puts it as being, he always have an affinity of drawing extraordinary wizards, good or bad, into certain extent, that people who, he always have an like uncanny sense for mm-hmm. the that, that he's able to do that and, and connecting these people. But it's, I don't know if necessarily people necessarily will become brilliant as the fact that he's giving these people connection, but no one ever really, you know, we don't look at it that way right we just like oh people are just brilliant you know but sometimes it's the opportunity that they have as we know in real life right no one is just like oh you just do this on your own it's always a set of circumstances that sort of line up that give you a unique opportunity uh you're in a unique place at a unique time that allows this to sort of happen for you a lot of it is just luck and happenstance as opposed to just innate you know brilliance etc etc but well, and but he he likes both, um, you know, because remember he he really likes he liked Lily, um, because she was such she was so smart. She didn't have any really strong. Um, she was muggle born. She didn't have any kind of influential parents or anybody in the in the wizarding world. But she was obviously brilliant. So he he had a mixture of people that he wanted around him because they were the best and he could point to them as being in his circle or he pointed to them because they could give him something whether mm-hmm. it was candy pineapple or right. <laughs> my or favorite line is that something or you know some insider information he just he, you know he he didn't have one criteria for how who he collected but there was always something that it brought to him um, there is this, um, it's, it's kind of like the, 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 the element that go out in, um, Game of Thrones. It's not necessarily the king, it's the hand of the king who is mm-hmm. sort of most powerful. So Slughorn likes to be in the backdrop, you know, making right. suggestions. The, the king, he's the king of whispers as well, you know, like, I have a suggestion for you. And I mean, and he actually knows really important people and, you know, a lot of times, <laughs> He is he's not concerned about the the underlying issues that are happening with these people, right? He's just concerned about himself. Listen, he's a name dropper. He is the biggest <laughs> name dropper. He is the one that we all hate to be around. He's you know, he's all of those things. My he's favorite all- lot. Sorry, go ahead, Dan. I was just saying he was all like like Janina said he's a name dropper and I was saying he's a social climber he's all mm-hmm. of them. he just wants everything is around his comfort it's so fascinating to me though that he really thought he could fool Dumbledore with that <laughs> whole fake you know attack <laughs> in his... I mean you know in uh, a man Ray Charles could see this you and know then... <laughs> well in his defense. He said that, you know, he didn't have enough time. Oh, well. You know? 
he didn't have enough time to you know to to do something um thing. But it's a thing that I think sometimes it, it's where I think J.K. Rowling sort of like she gets into the theatrics of magic and not necessarily the practical elemental magic, right? Because if you are afraid of you know someone coming into you, uh, you would just disappear, right? Because this is just not a permanent <laughs> home, right? Why yeah, would you, why would you just you? leave? Exactly. Right. Because you're going we... to have a house that you've taken from somebody else and you're just going to disrupt it. You know, yeah, because you're not holding on to anything here, but apparently he said, you know, he had to bring a piano. That's what you're going to do, boo. Be in some strange house playing a piano. Like, like nothing about this man. This is what yeah. I'm saying. I think of like an over the top Liberace type of character. That's why I'm just like, oh, this is totally the crystallized pineapples, the ring, the poof. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) There is, which is, uh, though he has Lily um, in his fold, he seems to mostly gravitate and might be the power structure because, you know, this magical world is not necessary. It's very, um, it's a, it's, it's, Patriotic, not patriotic, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? Hey. Oh well, my God. Patriarch, you mean? Patriarch, yeah. Patriarchal society, that's it. Thank you. The spelling is in my head, but just not the pronunciation. I'm like <laughs> looking at the word in my mind, like, what is it? Um, yeah, because most of the people he, he hangs around are usually men, boys, right? And right. he name drop a lot of men. I mean, like, there are women in the midst too, but you know. Um, he he seems seemed to be keen on looking out for men being in the power structure, not necessarily women initially, because he doesn't. It he just he just goes for name, goes to the role, and then sees name analysis go. But um, when Harry says to him, "So wait, you have, you don't think the death Eaters could find you? People could find you just saying you crystallized pineapple," and he was just like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like a, a fifteen year old just just dismiss your whole plan. Your whole premise just went down the drain. <laughs> just coming out. But you know the, the funny thing about Harry, it's how Harry has almost Harry has this ability to sense when people are cool and calm with him and when people uh see see him as a person as a whether they see him as a property or an object. Because he has the same sense around Ollivander. He doesn't like Ollivander. And this is the sense he picked up since 11, which is a keen sense that abused children go through. Oh, they yes. Sell the room immediately. They know who is going to put their life in danger <laughs> and who. Well, they, you know, it's, it's like we, we talked, I think, before about children of alcoholics or whatever. You learn to read the room, you learn to look out. You know, you're very, very worried of your of a, your environment you need to know who is going to be a problem for you who is going who who might be a, a help but there is this kind of very much like a radar about how what's going on who's where and who might be um a potential threat or who might be an ally and i think harry does have an ability to do that he does have a sixth sense to pick that up and i don't mean in a magical sense um, but more or less um, just the sense he has honed from having lived with people who meant yeah. him good. So He's far more yeah. experienced than uh, his than his peers. 
Yeah. He, that, I think that's one of the reasons why they sort of look to him as a leader. Because Harry, in some ways, beyond the sort of like crazy adventure he gets involved, he has he's the one who has a far more mature sense of what's happening amongst adults. That he right. doesn't trust adults immediately. You know, Hermione's always, that's a teacher. They won't do that. Right. Just like, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then, then Hermione has had a different experience with, with adults than Harry mm-hmm. has. So, and even Ron. And Ron, and Ron has had a different experience with adults. I mean, his father works for the ministry. He's used to adults who have been, who are basically somewhat benign in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And certainly benign towards him. And he's so far down the pecking order that none of them are paying him much attention. <laughs> Poor so, Ron. <laughs> so he's right. But I think it has made him kind of like, oh, kind of whatever. Um, before but he, also unless, adults have unless behaved, his brothers have told him something about the person. But he, I think he, in, in Ron world and Hermione world, adults behave as they're supposed to behave. Yeah. Right? The yeah. adults are yeah. like the parents would be parents, they're doting, you know, they're, they're, they're providers. Harry doesn't know this life at all. Like No, all he just gets repeatedly been, shit on. Right. For right. growing up most of his life, adults have constantly been mean to him. He would learn sometimes intentionally or for, you know, intentionally mean to him or also they have to keep the cover going. They have to be mean to him. Mrs. Fig. So, you know, but, but one of the things that become clear is that Harry is looking at Slaha and be like, Dumbledore. It's just the best, you know. Harry constantly, like, you know, like Dumbledore could protect you, you know. That there's that sense where he t- he's telling Slughorn, you know, like, Hogwarts is the safest place to be. And I'm just like, mm, you need to talk to Deb because Deb have questions, Harry. She has a lot of questions about your assumption about <laughs> Hogwarts being the safest place to be because every year we just get the sense that it's just not. But you know, well, I think I think by now we know it's not. <laughs> By now, we really do know it's not the safest place. But, you know, they, that's one of the mythologies that we've kept going for all of this time. It's sort of like, almost like a trope in the series, that every time somebody talks about Hogwarts safety, some, you know, all hell breaks Something <laughs> horrible, horrible happens. I saw somewhere, some, somewhere on the internet this week, I don't know if it was a comment or someone put up a tweet about uh, somewhere about how Dumbledore is like, <laughs> there is Dumbledore off being the worst headmaster. <laughs> I think it was not that you because It's interesting because uh, over the years, as I've gone to various um, Harry Potter conferences, to have watched the evolution of how people perceive Dumbledore. Um, and one of the things that I think by the time we know we're at this point now, I think now that the series is, the series is long completed and people have had, you know, years to reflect on it, there is a kind of a revisionist look at the way Dumbledore handled things and some of the choices that he made. Whereas when we first, when the series first came out, you know, Dumbledore was just, he was just Merlin. He was just every, um, you know, kindly wizard who was uh, guiding his charge. And so all knowing, never wrong, right. Never wrong. Always making the best decisions. And um, I think we were kind of lulled into this sense of, of who Dumbledore was until we're rudely shaken out of it. You know, when we get to this book, 
because we're start, this book really does sow the seeds for well I wonder what he what he why he did that or um, that wasn't the smartest thing to do and so we're then we then it really does you know give you book that seven. feeling in the final book but um, yeah I think there has been um, a, a real evolution. The other thing was the last um, leaky con I went to, there was a panel talking about the, the lack, the security or the lack thereof of Hogwarts. And it was <laughs> a hysterical panel because they just basically talked about every single time, everything that was just life-threatening, that was putting everybody in harm's way that was happening at, at Hogwarts. And it was, you just couldn't stop laughing because you had forgotten some of the things that, that happened, you know, from having read the books, you know, over the years. And you realize Oh, it really was not that safe a place to be. Right? Well, I mean, well, well, let let us get into the fact that Hogwarts was literally next to the Forbidden Forest, right? I mean, like, <laughs> on the school grounds was right. the Forbidden Forest, and we have been in there too many times to imagine that that is just like you know some you know just some over the top name for not a place. The, there there are literally place. things in there that shouldn't be out. You know right. what I mean? And we only know some of them because apparently it seems to be magically huge that there's there. I think only Hagrid seems to have been able to get in, but I don't even think magical boundary, um, the magical protection, um, doesn't even cover the forest completely because apparently everyone just needs to walk through the forest and get to the school. I'm just saying, I don't know what kind of magical <laughs> protection that is. I mean, we saw it from uh, Bathy Crouch. Hagrid did it. The Death Eaters did it. I'm just saying. It's just easy to get through there. Um, but um, we are now back at, um, I think at this point, we are all going through the whole Harriet school. But I think the, the, the important thing, I think, that comes out from before we get to school, which drove me insane. Janina, this is your moment to shine. That part okay. where you're trying to interject. Where um, Harry meets, the children meet Draco in Diagon Alley. And Harry is most suspicious of Draco Malfoy. And I have nothing but rage and contempt for Hermione and Ron right about now. Like everybody. Just everybody in the world. Just contempt. Because <laughs> I am like, y'all are making me side with Harry. Which is not always... <laughs> You know, I mean, like for once, I am thinking Harry's not being rash. He's being smart, calculated, and he's being correct that Draco is up to some nonsense. And everybody else seems to think, oh, this is too unbelievable. And I, but it isn't that they don't believe Harry. That's not what really got to me. It's the excuses that they're providing for not believing Harry. That's the part that's really annoying me. Like, oh, Draco is too young for this sort of nonsense. Why? Do you know who his parents are? Do you know who his yeah. auntie is? Like, I mean, do you know where, you know, like, who the the head of the Death Eaters? Like, Malfoy was leading the charge of the, the, the muggle baiting at the World Cup. Draco right. might have just sat there and said as such. He didn't look concerned. Like, why would you think he isn't up to something? But I think this is the beginning of the larger mystery. Like, I think all of the books always have a mystery, a mysterious element. And this is the mysterious element here. That Draco goes to Balkan and Box, a place that we would... We've been in there before in book two, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah we've those. been there. We've been there before. 
and he is asking for something to be repaired. Every, no, we don't know what it is, but Deirko is being mysterious, and I I assumed right away. I knew immediately that he had a um he had the dot mark on his hand. I don't know if this was supposed to mystery, well, but I think I that was just, obvious. Don't right. I mean? Yeah, in yeah, the, the way he's acting, he's like, "Look, bitch." you're gonna do what i want because look and what else could he possibly be showing other than the dark mark on the inside of his left arm and and here we meet um narcissa malfoy who we just saw two a chapter two ago acting all weeping and whomping and there she is right this is why i suspect in all honesty i know narcissa is putting on a very good show it was all fake it was all fake. What was I mean, fake? I know Bellatrix. That whole w- tears and weeping and all of the that. Snape? The Snape was fake. Wait, what? He was what? being manipulated. By who? By Narcissa. I thought the whole scene was staged on her part in order to go Snape into this situation. Oh, yes. I, don't, I, don't, I, I do believe that a lot of that was overplayed, overdone in terms of trying to convince Snape, to, to get Snape to, to agree to um to to take on what Draco is supposed to do if if it proves dangerous for him. Oh yeah, I think she was not above going over the top in terms of the weeping and wailing and I'm just I, and to present herself as I'm just a mother worried about her son. Right. Um, and that would never you know, work my, my, son has, it my son is really not he's been a part of this world and I'm, by that I mean the 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 Dark Lord's world, but he's not really. He's still young. He hasn't, you know, been proven. Um, and we, I need to have some kind of proof that somebody else will do this if it's going to be a danger to him. Right. I think she was. I think she was creating a backup plan for herself. Yeah. Not 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 in terms of like so that in 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 some respect, if all goes fit, because that was that was what the Unbreakable Curse said, right? Because mm-hmm. she made this man bind himself to kill himself, right? He right. would die. And so t- you, you had to come with something else more than just being, oh, my son. You know what I mean? You're his. She had to come with something be- more than that. So to me, that whole thing, it was brilliantly played. I mean, she was overplaying. She didn't need to, as we would later learn. But it was all brilliant. And that woman, that woman who I see in that shop, who was talking to Harry... In that manner, that mm-hmm. is the Narcissa I know. Right. Not that one who was in right. there crying with Bellatrix. Mm-mm. She <laughs> is. <laughs> well, she's she's definitely you know a cut from the. She she and Lucius are of the same ilk about um, Draco's schoolmates. They feel like they're all be- beneath him, and so you know she's definitely going to be speaking in a haughty manner to any one of them um, that's not considered their crowd. So that that definitely seemed perfectly in character. But the contempt and and there is the, and and this is the thing that I thought was hilarious with the excuse. Here was a woman, right, who just looked on three children and tell them, promised them murder, right, that they right. would be murdered. Yeah. <laughs> then, and then these two children turn around and look at the other one and being like, oh, that this one is up to something shady and crazy. Her son is too far fetched. It's like what, like. Her daddy yep. is literally in jail for trying to kill y'all two weeks ago. You know that, right? Her husband is in jail because he was trying to murder six teenagers. But okay. All right. 
you know, this, this is the part where I think the plot went really wonky about them not being suspicious of Malfoy to a certain extent. And also how very... Um, but we started living through a crisis now in our real world, right? And they're living through a similar... They're living through a crisis just the same. But how very quickly they want to sort of return to some sense of normal, a normalcy. Oh, yeah. That they're not even asking any hard questions about what is being done. They're like, oh, you know, they're taking the Loris Umbridge approach, right? Don't be concerned about that little children. Who will hurt you? Concerned about your Let's education. Let's just look at the pamphlet. Just look at <laughs> right. You know, like, at that part, right. That, What's your favorite type of jam? Do you know how that enraged me? That they knew Voldemort was out, then they're going to send out pamphlets in a few weeks. A fucking pamphlet. But isn't this representative of how people that don't know what to do behave? Yes. I mean, this is exactly what... Shit, this is exactly what we're living through. I mean, Dumbledore... I mean, Voldemort was a clear and present danger, right? And he was clearly... So is COVID. And your people now... (laughs) But the thing about about Voldemort is they've been been through this before. So it's... We can... You know, they really have... It's almost like and there are lots of people who were adults when Voldemort came through the last time who are around. So you would think they would be like, okay, we know that we know what his playbook is. You know, the yeah, way he starts do better. people, the way he starts gathering his followers. This is, they, they're acting like, oh my God, Voldemort is murdering people. He's gathering followers. This is exactly what he did the last time. <laughs> right. And so, you know, nobody is like saying, well, we know X, nobody is like sitting down, mapping out a strategy that we can see, you know, and then we find out later some of their strategy is just pathetic, like, you know, locking up Stan, (laughs) Sean Pike, you know, just the kinds of things that they do um, are just so ridiculous because they don't know what to do. They, so they 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 talked. They got rid of Fudge because Fudge refused to even believe he was back, and now they've got someone who basically and wasn't Scrim Scrimjaw an Auror? He was the head of the Auror. Um, he was um, head of. Department. I would rather have Mad Eye Moody in charge. <laughs> because this is somebody who took dark magic seriously, but they don't seem to have people like that. Um, well, they... I think I, I think that is what Scrimgeour, I mean, Scrimgeour, I think Dumbledore mentions the fact that Scrimgeour understands that bit of it. But I think right. what is happening here now is the politics that Scrimgeour doesn't know how to play. Oh, I think he's right. playing them exactly how any politician would, to be honest. I mean, listen, we don't like what they're doing and we don't we don't like what it looks like. It's not a good look, right? But this is exactly what real world politics right. looks like. Right. We don't care who we catch. We don't care if they're innocent or not, but we got to make it look like we're doing something. Right. You know, we we know these pamphlets aren't going to be that great. They're not really going to help you, but we've got to do something. And this is what Scrimdor is doing over and over again. He's mm-hmm. trying to get Harry on his side so that it looks like we're doing something i think that's a piece of brilliance of this this part of the book because even though what what the authority of the wizarding world is 
what they're doing is not effective. It's not effective at all. But, I mean, we see this play out in real world politics all the time. It's all about appearances. We're living it right now. We are living it right now in this moment. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear this kind of mask. Don't wear this kind. It's constantly changing to make it look like we're doing something. When the truth is, you don't know shit. Right. Well, well, the truth is that they're not taking us seriously. Right? Right. They're not taking the situation seriously at all. Because, I mean... The thing that is not pointed out is that the Order of Phoenix is an old group. The Order of Phoenix had to exist back then because presumably they weren't doing anything else at all. Right. That the magical right. community itself wasn't doing anything. That right. that they were just consumed. They, you know, Dumbledore was just like, this isn't what you need. I don't need to be in charge of anything. I don't want this post. You know what I mean? Like, this is what you have to do. You know, but they're just, you know, like, oh, the politics of it, et cetera. And this is a small population of people, though, mind you, because there isn't the magical world is, you know, they're dying out. They're small compared to the people. There's only one magical village in all of Great Britain. So, you know, these people are dotted all over the place. But I I think this is the thing that 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 drives me insane about this book. And you're right, Janine, to a certain extent. It is the brilliance of the book to replicate what's actually happening in the real world. It's happening in the magical world. But that's just my problem. It's the magical world. That because here is the thing that's fun. Because these people are fighting a fundamental world about not being humans, right? Not being muggles. That muggles are based of this world. They're nothing there. And then you turn right around and act just like all the muggles act. Like, I don't understand this. Like, you magic become an appliance. You just yeah. pop out magic when there is a, you know, these people are adept to fixing, I don't even know, turning a teapot into like a cup or something. I don't know, turning a, a gerbil into a, a, a teapot. And yet, you don't have any money. You people are poor. There are poor people in this community. You also don't know how to fix any fundamental problem that is, there's no ethics within the school program about magic, about when to do magic. You have all the evil books all over the place. You know, it's Dumbledore who has to take the line to take these books out of the school. But yet it's out there and you're not teaching against these out of, uh, you know, business. It's just it's just really bizarre to me. Well, not well, bizarre, remember, remember now the underlying premise of the entire series is as wonderful as it would be to have magic. What really solves the problems, the major problems in this world are the qualities we recognize as humans. Mm -hmm. That's the underlying premise. So, you know, we can say, why aren't you using, you know, magic to improve um, the, 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 the mental issues that are going on? Why aren't you using magic to do X, Y, and Z? Why aren't you using magic to make everybody have the, so that you don't have the Malfoys up here and the Weasleys down there? The major premise here is that even with magic, that human beings do cert- live certain ways, certain kinds of emotions, certain kinds of fears, certain kinds of groupthink, that's probably the underlying premise here, that even with magic, human beings gonna human being. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're going to do what human <laughs> beings do. Right. 
So I mean, I totally get what you're saying, Reels. Like, because this is a fantasy, right? And you could do so much more and could make this so much bigger and more magically explosive. That's all very true. But part of what makes this so good is that it is relatable to the world that you live in. Because in order for her to have done what you're asking for, like, okay, why are you poor? You know, if it looked like that, this would be a completely different story because everything would have to be a 100% fully created world that we couldn't relate to and that we would have to learn. So I think it works because it does fit into the muggle world and there are relatable pieces. I mean, of course, also there would be times where you're, you are, you're thinking like, Oh my God, but you can do magic, like do better. You've got magic. And we all want that sometimes, but I really think that a big part of this entire series is the fact that it is paralleled with the world that we already know. Right. Okay. I mean, it's wonderful. So, you know, we, we obviously find out that Slughorn is really quite a talented potions teacher. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's not an a-hole. Right. You know? right. I mean, we, he's still doing what human... He's still grabbing. He's still, um, you know, social climbing. He's still name dropping. But he's quite a brilliant potions master and teacher. So, you know that is really kind of what what we're up against we're juxtaposing the fact that these people have these magical skills and abilities but um they also have all these very human qualities and these are the things that keep them that keep their world as small as it does well it isn't just i mean I mean, I guess I'm asking about, I am frustrated by certain things. I think at the beginning of this project, I sent some questions that I think we should sort of, uh, sort of considered, you know, one of these being, you know, about how with the magical, like with fantasy, how fantasy often approach, because fantasy approaches seem to, seem, fantasy seems to be so much in the real world. Right, that fantasy and the real world seem to be the same thing, right? We're just using like a magical element, like a cloak, to cover one thing by changing yellow to green, but we're still essentially dealing with the same thing, right? That's the sort of so the magic here is mainly incidental to the fact that these magical people are actually people and they're dealing with people issues as we have in the world without magic. Right, but we also have weapons of mass destruction and appliances, etc. So there is that 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 um, allegorical link, I guess you could make in a sort of a, a parallel, I should say, we can make. But so the, the magic almost become an allegorical to um, what's happening in the world. But for me, I, I think what really frustrates me is that though it's a story, it's a children's story, any fantasy, whether it's adult pitch fantasy or like children level fantasy, is that here is a moment and, and, and an opportunity to deal with the issues, the, the, the issues that you're really talking about, to get at them, to, this, to bring them to the forefront and really have the big boy discussion, a big girl discussion about what's happening here. And, and oftentimes they just don't. We just, these things happen and we just accept it. Well, it's what happened in the real world and then just moving along. Because the thing that frustrates me, the thing that I'm, I'm getting at here is that here is the magical world. 
fighting this proxy of blood blood status war, right? They're fighting mm -hmm. this useless, this pointless exercise, right? And they're, you know, pointing out that they're better than humans, and yet they're so human, right? Mm -hmm. And no one yeah. seems to, and what we and what we are well aware of the fact that not only they know nothing about humans, the, the magical world on the whole is almost completely ignorant of how non-magical people behave and live, despite the fact that so many non, so many people from Muggle family come into their fold, that they just choose to sort of an adopt this out of a madness practice. And no one is investigating and I ever stops to question that. You know what I mean? There is no element within that force. As we, because we do have that in our real world where people are trying to have these discussions and discussing the structures that are, that are in play in our world. I mean, know how difficult that is to even get that messaging out there. But at least it's, it's happening there, right? Like nowhere in any, no matter in the most repressed society, is anyone really sitting down and just fighting a singular power structure, like a, thing, a singular figure, right? They, they are the people who are fighting the system because they recognize that when the Voldemort goes away, someone else is quickly there to prop up and take over. Because we've but seen I think that that hasn't been the case in this in this situation, because when Voldemort was 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 vanquished the first time, they basically went back to life as they knew it. Mm -hmm. They did not. Nobody else. The, the Death Eaters, nobody else tried to step in and be Voldemort Jr. So, you know, they basically had this reprieve of <laughs> time. They had, you know, kind of nasty people. And people who had um, ideas about who was better and who was not. But they didn't have anybody really trying to do the power grab that Voldemort did until he returned. And Which, once he returned into his, his himself, he basically then picks up his old playbook and sets out to do even more damage. Which is sort of odd, though. Which is a sort of, I think it's maybe a story stroke, because we had a Grendelval before Voldemort, right? That right, you would you, you would imagine that would Dumbledore vanquished him. Right, but well, he imprisoned him. Yeah, um, right. But I mean, he he, right. But I I mean, in the sense that why I say that is because it's it's it seemed rather odd that there was this power vacuum that no one seemed to fill that void, that there right. wasn't even any like two bit players. You know what I mean? There is always someone stylizing themselves, you know, to be you know like you know posing. But no one seemed to be doing that at all in the magical world. I don't know if this is just like a... Because there is always someone well, Fudge willing... Did. Fudge, huh? did for, Fudge did for a while. He, he, was, he was kind of a benign ruler. Um, he didn't... You know, he only got involved in things that made him look bad. Remember? <laughs> so, you know, if, if something was going to make him look bad, he was quick to take any old solution, whether it was, yeah, oh, let's lock up Sirius or let's lock up Hagrid or whatever it was, anything to, that would make him look bad. But basically, he was taking advice from Dumbledore and money from Lucius. Mm -hmm. So he was acting out that kind of posing to be in charge. Okay. I see what but, you're saying. You know, okay. so, but he was not, you know, what he... And so, and he liked that role so much that he was bound and determined that he wasn't, he figured he put his, his um, fingers in his ears and, you know, when people told him that it was going to change because the Voldemort was back. Like, uh-uh, he can't be back. He even says he can't be back. 
I like mm-hmm. I, I like what I have so far. I, I like I like what I have. Actually being in charge so much that I have to I have to deny the reality that we're on the ground <laughs> that everybody has been telling me. I have been taking advice from Dumbledore. I have been running my stuff and and asking him questions. But as soon as he says, "Hey, Fudge, this is stuff is going to change because Dump because Voldemort is back." Fudge, he <laughs> got no time for Dumbledore. Now we got lot. We're trying to lock him up. <laughs> but you know, you know, I think I, I, I may have we have may have discussed this here. We talked about this in the fifth book that there really wasn't much. Um, I guess maybe in just the mode in which you know the, how you operate. But Fudge and Dumb and Voldemort seem to be the same way because they seem they seem to harbor gender issues. You know about you know disparaging looks on women. They seem mm-hmm. to also have disparaging blood status incident and it all seemed to be that everyone knows how fudge and the people that he keeps dolores umbridge how she treats you know um creatures uh magic quote-unquote magical creatures that they seem to be this out of uh um he seemed to be very much the vein this is why a dumbledore a voldemort can just easily slip in and speak these messages of you know like blood traitors and you know like half bloods and you know like muggle bond you know they're 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 corrupting all magic because every many people have similar sentiments yes about these things i think that's why you know um when when sirius says in the last book you know people are not they're not either death eaters or you know you know or 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 good people so I mean, there's there is there is something else. There are other people in between. There are other people who ascribe to many of the same beliefs, um, but they they haven't necessarily thrown their lot in with 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 um, Voldemort. So you know, but I think what what's so fascinating about this particular book is the whole idea that Dumbledore. Has has just knows that he's got to take it on himself to <laughs> to stop Voldemort because um, he's obviously um, even more dangerous than he was before because of what he's been able to do, and he's got the only person that he right now that he can trust with this mission. What well, we know is one other person he's trusting, but he is Harry. That he and Harry. Um, and we find out later why it's so important that Harry be on, a part of this mission. Well, he doesn't mm-hmm. trust the other person completely. He doesn't right. trust the right. other person completely. Although he he does give him the um, defense against the dark arts job in this book. Right. So we 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 know at school we are seeing um, well Harry and uh, Malfoy had a dust up. And let me tell you, people, if Malfoy had stepped on my nose like that, ooh, on sight, <laughs> on sight. It's so interesting. On I don't know what sight. we said this before, but it's a, almost a mirror of what happened at the end of the fifth book. Yeah. Put Malfoy up in the luggage compartment. Yep. Right. That's what and I now, needed. Mal- Malfoy- Paybacks. Malfoy then does this to. I keep telling you, this book reminds me of The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I mean, because it really does feel like the bad guys are, you know, making all the good moves in this book. So um, that's they have to, that dust up. Yeah, it's easy to. Um, it's always um, you make. I think there was some movie. I don't remember which movie it is. 
you made someone one of the characters said you make bad look so good yeah. and it's because <laughs> villains villains yeah, have freedom villains always have the best lines they have freedom right they they're, they're not bound by a code like superman a batman always calls superman the boy scout right exactly. <laughs> you know because batman operates outside normal rules and reg- his own rules are his own internal rules but i think um this is what's happening here is that in this book it's seemingly the good because almost almost i think there is a sense of um darkness that's over this book in somewhat right because yeah there seems to be no yeah. real concrete plan and um that seems to be an operation and when we do get to see dumbledore tells harry i'm gonna give you lessons you know harry is all excited and so around that's some piece of magic then we find out it's only information and yes, it's really cool, but it's not. But it's actually it's, the more important things, and he is, more, is as important in terms of information as magic. Right, the but it is that he has to know. But it doesn't seem if you if you step back from that bit that that personal um, in relationship that's happening there. When I say personal, like the the lessons that are happening there, if you step back, it's just like. That don't seem like a plan to me. <laughs> that don't seem like a real plan for the existential threat that is real and that's out there, right? That there is Voldemort and he's dangerous and he's big and we are seeing and because hint by hint, you know, the students are looking they're looking through the newspaper, looking for dead people who has been killed, who has been kidnapped. Who died today? Anyone yeah, exactly. who died today? I mean, yeah, that, but I mean that's almost like when we have to pick up the paper and see the COVID. Um, deaths and you know people are you know people don't don't think that that's traumatizing to young people or to old any age that every day you know you hear the death count and so they're dealing with the same thing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Children go missing. I think one of their school friend, their brother was killed. Their baby brother was killed. Um, you had and they're doing the silver breakfast. Yeah, um, just you yeah. know morning coffee talk. Uh, breakfast and then oh. We got potions next. Let's get going. Moving on to class. You know, and then the magical... <laughs> you would think Hogwarts, the place where Dumbledore reigns, where, you know, Dumbledore is the one who is giving people the real deal, that there would be some sort of discussion of what's happening here. And, you know, but... <laughs> nope. Food, chocolate, and get a nice rest and keep <laughs> and moving on. Keep that, it moving. Not only that, we also have the regular teenage activities of dating... Mm. sports in addition to homework class we've also got dating we've got sports we've got um you know ron trying to 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 have some prowess on the quidditch field um we've got you know the he's finding a girlfriend um we've got jenny who's you know kind of making her way through the crowd there um We've got um, Hermione, who is um, just kind of observing what's going on with everyone in terms of this whole dating scene. Um, we've got Slughorn having parties and excluding people. So that's, that's starting to be a bone of contention. We've got all of this going on against the backdrop of the darkness of Voldemort feeling like it's getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah, which I think is really funny, right? That here you, it's like, it's like one of those things where it's like, 
a war is going on, but here, let's let's worry about the quinceanera. Let's worry about prom. Hey, let's life put- always goes on no matter what. Absolutely. It always is continuing. And well, I mean, these these are these are the very human aspects of it. And let's not lose sight of the fact that um, Harry finds this book that is basically teaching him more potions than anybody. And so he is getting more and more confidence about his abilities in that classroom because he feels like he's got an extra, an extra, um, you know, help, an extra crutch, so to speak, in his potions class. So we've got all of these things are going on at the same time and in between his lessons with Dumbledore. But it it also shows you the sort of a uh, sort of interest in that all of this is happening and yet people are behaving the same way that Dolores didn't even need to do all of that she did last year. She didn't need a single magical educational decree. <laughs> she just needed to just <laughs> because those, those magical decrees were always about her control. They right. were never really about anything else. And she made and as as Hermione points out, she just by banning this, she has made this story <laughs> the biggest story ever. Exactly. By trying to suppress this thing, you've made it as even bigger. As adolescence one hundred and one, anybody has anybody ever seen what happens to a book that gets banned in a school or it gets banned, especially a book written yeah. for young people? Then it takes off like like wildfire. The yep. kids, you, the kids can't wait to pass it back and forth, and whoever has a copy becomes a celebrity. This mm-hmm. is like don't you even know? That's like these people have not taken adolescence one hundred and one. They know ingenious ways of getting their information passed around. Like uh, my favorite bit is in book five when I think the when Dumbledore escaped, and they're like, even though all these people were there, everyone is like, the whole school had the whole story play by play. (laughs) 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 Nobody was. Have been, you know, have been sworn to silence, and they're the only. There were only a handful of people there. Everybody knew the story. The next, everybody, everybody. <laughs> exactly. But uh, it seems to be a lot is going on, and despite all that, Harry is still uh, what's going on with Harry. You know that here it is. Harry is always taking on more than you know. Harry is just never about the business of school. <laughs> In school, no, he definitely. You know, Malfoy is an obsession, and you know this is. Um, now that you mentioned this book, which I am so fascinated by this potions book, right? The geek mm-hmm. nerd in me, right? That I really want to see this book. Um, but I would have, I, I guess for me, well, like Harry doesn't know, but um, I guess he would have known when he doesn't go back to school. But let me not say anything about it. We can get to that towards the end. But just the significance of the book that I guess he didn't realize what he was holding in his hand, the potential of what else could have been there. But um, can I ask a question? Is it just me who thought that Lavender Brown was black? I know why I think that, but I just thought it was just like, I had to reread this book specifically just to find our references. No, not now. I like, never thought yeah. she was black. No, I didn't. Do you know why I realized why I kept thinking apparently other people thought Lavender Brown was black? It's only why? when the movie came out, I was just like, why? Because Raw Dahl wrote a book, Matilda, Lavender Brown was a black girl who was Matilda's best friend. Oh. And we all transfer lab- that Lavender Brown yes. into this Lavender Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to read this book. So I've read this book in different ways. And one of the ways is that I read this book specifically just to find any mention of Lavender Brown. 
and where it was mentioned. <laughs> and we are I, I'm, like, if you, I'm sure if you Google Lavender Brown is black from Harry Potter, there will be a whole bunch of series where everyone well, thinks. But nothing really, surprises me um, when people have their theories about this, that, or the other. I mean, I I knew I I felt like I knew who the black girls were in the in the store in the school, but um, I didn't know. You're about right. We do know who they are. Did she? She points them out, and the the one Asian girl, well, um, well, the three Asian girls. She points them out very distinctly, right? <laughs> but I don't know. I just thought, oh, how progressive! A main character dating a black girl. How interesting! You this know what? Like I thought that. Um... When this comes out in the movie. But it was interesting that Jenny was dating Dean. And even though Jenny's not a main character, she's definitely very much a presence in the in the I book. I always yeah. forget Dean is black. She was and she was dating that yeah. was a you know a, a kind of a and long of course he don't know who his daddy is. Drake too. Girl. <laughs> Girl. You be you be really pulling out all the stereotypes, eh? <laughs> and Kingsley Kingsley, the other black man, is a big old strong, you know, fighter warrior. I was well, like, I, mean, I, thought oh. King, I thought Kingsley was much more cerebral than Mad-Eye. In terms of what? But just in terms of his approach. So, um, when he was talking about, you know, when the way he kind of conducted himself was in a much more cerebral way than Mad-Eye, who was basically just screaming eternal vigilance. You oh, know, I see what you're and saying. And wanting to take, you know, these long circuitous routes to get places, and so they weren't followed. I oh, thought, I just, I, I just, I just assumed that Kingsley being a black man, he know he no, just I has to. He, look. I mean, his 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 persona. Yes, he was a black man, but I thought his persona was very dignified, very. Um, That's the black man at work, and when white spaces, he just got to keep his head down. And he was, you know, and he was good at his job. I mean, the prime minister didn't even know that he was in there protecting him, and you know, didn't even know he was from the wizarding world. I've always had the impression that Kingsley was one of the most respected wizards of the community. Yeah, I did. I mean, he becomes the minister of magic in the end, right? Um, But yeah, I got that impression that he he seemed to be very. Skilled, he was a skilled aura. That much is yeah. very clear. And he, he would was, see that. He was many very, he was, he was that very much to a that. mentor to, like Mad Eye had been to Tonks before. He was, he was very much, you know, kind of a, um, a, a, a force for teaching the the aurors under him. No, I thought he was, he was a good um, portrayal. Oh no, but I'm just simply saying that you know he becomes like the warrior, right? That he is that sort of a. Uh, skill being you know and he's like a security guard sort of thing sort of action figure in a way um he becomes that person just how she's not to say he was a necessarily a bad characterization because i don't think that dean portrayal was ever really like a bad one i mean like he gets as much screen time as seamus right like they're just right. that those boys in the I, and it seemed that from her own conversation she sort of wanted to lift all of those boys in that room those five boys in the room and give them a proper place in the whole series because they're all so different and so alike in many ways, right? right. They all had a different, unique story to them all, but you never really got to um, play that out. But um, I just thought that for me, Harry, um, this was just like, Harry was dealing with a lot and, you know, again, he had oh, yeah. to push all of the trauma. It's like 
trauma is happening, but Harry has to push trauma at times to still be a teenager. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's still teenage things you got to do. That was the result. I mean, the, the other theme to me about this book and Harry and Harry's characterization is his resilience. And even though um, there's a lot going on um, that way, I think he was definitely... That's one of the things that we, we we come to see. And that just gets stronger and stronger as we move to the latter part of the series, is his resilience. Yeah, and I think um, that is, that is um, I, I think we, there is, there is no doubt about that, that every single book begins on Harry's resilience, right? Stats on, mm-hmm. that, that is like the, the, the ever- if Harry is nothing else, he's resilient. <laughs> you know what yes. I mean? Like, uh, I mean, from his whole character, his whole uniqueness as who he is, we would learn in book five about, you know, why he's chosen as the boy who lived. Is he lived? That is the resilience in Harry part of everything about him is speaks resilience. But I mean, but, so, but, but I mean, it's not just because of that. Of, of that connection with Voldemort. No, no, no. I'm just saying that that from, from everything about him, even from the beginning, to everything right. we would see through about him, in almost every situation we see Harry resilience coming through. Yes. And uh, what I love is that Harry, <laughs> Harry is the Quidditch captain. He's over these people. He's over them all. Like he's just had it with right. Harry. Harry is not good. At managing mundane, tiny little things, he's not good at that. You know what I mean? He needs Hermione to deal with that. But Harry is managing big projects. But to deal with the picking of the team and all of that, when he was just like, "Oh, Angelina, um, no, it's Alicia, good, you're gonna come on the team," and she's just like, "What are you talking about? Like everybody got a tryout?" She's just like, "No," she's just like, "Everybody has to try out Harry." Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you just don't get to say I'm the captain. I pick my friends and whatever the kids to me. That leads to a sloppy team. And Harry's over here trying to manage and scream his head off with all these people. And it's funny is that the wizarding community is still coming to see Harry like he's some celebrity. Like he is a celebrity. He is a celebrity. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god. Like I'm just like at this point, I'm just like I'm not interested in this celebrity. I'm worried about Voldemort. Like. I'm surprised. <laughs> and I thought that part was they're cute. They intricately <laughs> tied um, so much, and so um, yeah, I'm, I totally understand that they come. And in a way, Harry is re- the fact that Harry is there playing Quidditch. He's doing what he does. It's very reassuring because he is the one who got away from Voldemort, and so people do project. This is why this is why Scrimgeour wanted him in and out of the Ministry. That's because right. Too. That people get, they see him and say, oh, you know, that makes me feel better to see Harry Potter. You're like, seriously? How does that help your situation? But because people, people do feel that way. What I was saying, Deb, in terms of the resilience is that, and you were saying, it's just that Harry resilience is just more than just him surviving the initial attack by Voldemort. But, you know, it's like everywhere, like, you know, every situation Harry is in, he's surviving and he is coming through and still pushing on um not necessarily he's necessarily but actually we do see that he's future thinking because he's thinking about wanting to be he's obsessed with being an aura um after school 
and he's taking these subjects. Um, and this is so, I have to tell you that this is so like my experience in high school about <laughs> the OWLs you take, you take determines the, the level that you can do right, for right. any WT. It is so, this is so British and so Caribbean. It's, it's the same thing. Someone comes up to you and tell you, these are the subjects you can take. And in order to do X subject, you need a pass in this subject or that subject. If you want to do so, it's, it's, and it really messes people up, actually. Like, if you want to do medicine, <laughs> like, right. it, it, it is like, a nope, frightening sort of experience. And um, some countries, they have a lot of sixth form, which is the, um, what you call the NEWT level. But mm-hmm. in my island, there was only one place, one school that was doing that. So that was super competitive. So it meant that other people had to find other options because they just didn't make the mark until they opened up and they had a larger place with more um, places and they could offer more, give more students more opportunity. So it became like I was looking at Professor McGonagall and Harry and be like, oh, you can do this, you can do that. It was so, it was so annoying. And one of the things that, um, that a lot of this subject required you to pass English a English language and English literature, which is two mm-hmm. different subjects in the Caribbean, just so you know. So there is a book that's devoted, there's a subject totally devoted to literature only, and there is another mm-hmm. one that's devoted to grammar and writing skills. And trust me, that clear that separates the sheep from the goat. Clearly, oh, yes. <laughs> we don't. Oh, yeah. But you know, and 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 the and a lot of times in the U.S., it's much more arbitrary. Because if you are in a particular high school and your high school has um, advanced placement courses mm-hmm. in certain mm-hmm. subjects and th- the teachers basically get to decide whether you can take, you know, AP chemistry or yep. AP U.S. history, um, they look at your grades at factors in, but it really is more um, subjective in terms of that. Now, if you're in another type of school and maybe somebody has gotten some money or a grant to put an AP class in there and then they have to beg students to take the AP classes. And a lot of times parents don't want their kids to take them because they're harder and they're worried that their grades are gonna drop. So it's much more subjective in, in a lot of schools in the U.S. And the AP exam basically governs what is taught because everyone is kind of <laughs> geared towards um, making sure that they have prepared their students f- to take that exam. Um, it's probably changing now. I notice more and more schools are doing away with the SATs. They're doing away with any kind of um, advanced testing, so it might impact on how they deal with those subjects, those advanced subjects. Before, well, when you you had a, you had AP advanced placement where you were expected to take an exam, and then you could have honors classes where you would um, they were just considered to be at a faster pace, and maybe they covered more material. Although my daughter taught um, science, taught chemistry in a suburban high school, suburban D.C., and she said, we had 20 honors chemistry classes. We probably had enough. <laughs> she said, we probably had enough really honors quality students for two. <laughs> well, you know, that's interesting that you say that because, so for me, when, you know, t- almost 20 years ago when I was in high school, 
honors and AP classes were one and the same. If you were in them, you didn't have to sit the test. I took several AP classes. I never took the test because I couldn't afford it. I didn't have the yeah. money because you had to pay. You have to pay, yeah. But the benefit was that you get a weighted grade. Right. So it boosted your GPA, right? So a four point um, A became a five point A and it, and it worked that way down the crowd. But in this area, um, it is working completely different now because there is a perception and often it's true that the the students who are in those advanced placement classes who are taking, you know, who are smarter and maybe taking their their high school career a little more seriously are going to be better behaved students. That's the perception. I can tell you what, not always true. I hung out with those kids, you know, everybody mm -hmm. liked to smoke pot, but now they could be undercover. Maybe, but now because there is this perception that those are the good kids, mm -hmm. parents are advocating for their students to get them in those classes to get have them removed from the general population and if that parent pushes hard enough they can it works get them in anywhere yes yeah well, it's, and it's it really because... what happens is you know it just distorts the whole purpose of the class because then you end up with an entire population of the class that can't keep up and then well, you got run then you're asking for special accommodations yes where somebody so where somebody can read the test out loud to you and yes. things like yes. that. So, right. So I was no. telling a friend of mine that recently that I that I tutored a kid who got special accommodation that he had um that time that the exam would mm -hmm. be two hours, but he didn't have to apply by the two hours. He can have three or four hours. Because right. uh, because how it's it, it all depends on how you think a test is. It's a test testing your ability to know something or to know something under pressure you know right. but it's funny because a lot of the politics that you <laughs> describe in we don't necessarily have that per se people try to get them into a certain class because we stream the Caribbean is all about streaming and so is the British system I'm sure about that you know you're in an A stream which is to the bright affluent yeah. children and B stream and being in that stream depending on you want to be among not only the better behaved students, but also the students who had more influence. So think of it being like the Harvard of the class mm -hmm. <laughs> versus mm -hmm. the state school. And what happens with the exam, each exam have what is called a general profile, a general proficiency and a basic proficiency. Now, the original intention was that you take the general proficiency if you didn't intend to do like the advanced levels or any WT. This was back in the day when having a high school diploma was just sufficient, right? They just figure you have the basic understanding of how these principles works, et cetera, et cetera. But most people now, schools, particularly the the top schools on the islands, would only teach general. And they're like, I refuse. It became this very classist thing. It became this way of prejudice in that, you know, like, oh, I'm not teaching basic. I don't want basic student because for them, sitting a basic exam is count them out to being zero that you have done nothing if you're only taking the basic exam hmm. so we well, too had to take like... and which became a, a cost which was also another barrier for some students unless you had a scholarship or your parents had money and it was a dependent and you pay per subject yeah yeah so, yeah which is even much more it's not like one flat fee so sometimes you can be paying 
six, seven hundred dollars. And that's a lot of money for a lot of parents to come mm, up right. with. Right. For sure. But but it's like, you know, in this but in a way, getting back to the to the book, I mean, remember Snape had set his own rules. Right. In terms of who he was going to take in his class, isn't that so, so incredibly jacked up? <laughs> I mean, but he's like, if you, I'm only taking these kind of students to take my my next well, level class. Well, and I mean, so, McGonagall is making that assertion as well because McGonagall. Mm-hmm, they all are. Right. They all are. I mean, clearly because they all are. There is no standardized test, <laughs> right? <laughs> Even though they all have to sit an exam, there's no standard level that's you know, across the board for the entire school as to what you need to get to move on. But what is weird about this whole system is that you are not just teaching school. You're teaching a way of life. Mm-hmm. How these people are functioning can get to function in right. this magical world. And yet you're barring people from information and education. I am like, what the hell is happening here? Hey, I mean, you gotta weed out the you gotta weed out the crap and you know figure out what you're good at and focus on what you're good at. I'm because I'm just that. like, you need all these subjects. Maybe potion. You, you need do. them all, but you know, is it any different? Is it any different? Like, so for me, right? High school for myself is four years, and I fulfilled my math requirement by the time that I was a junior. And so for my senior year, I could have taken a really, really hard math class that would have been way over my head, some kind of crazy calculus. I don't know, you know, math isn't my thing. Or you take, you know, because for whatever reason, you got to still have a math credit as a senior. Um, transition to college math (laughs) and that's what I did as I was like I don't need an advanced math class I don't need I don't need this this isn't where my life is headed you know I'm fine with the the two algebras and the two geometries and you know all of that that I got I I don't need to do that so I I mean I think it's fine I think it's it's okay it's but okay. Also, but the Caribbean, but great, the Caribbean that I grew up in, that's not the philosophy we prescribed to that usage. It doesn't matter if it's not functional. For example, in the Caribbean, there is a license. I think it's just recently been changed. There is an automatic driver's license and there is a standard automatic standard license, a stick. If you can drive a stick, you don't need an additional license to drive an automatic. It assumes if you can do the harder thing, you can do the simpler thing. But if you have an automatic and you own an automatic license, you do not have the license to drive a um a Well stick. you're a non driver, so shoes. you don't really appreciate that. I, I, I do. But <laughs> but but, uh, but it, it goes even further, like to a watch, if you have an analog watch as a voice to the digital children were ashamed who had a digital watch. Oh, you it meant you couldn't tell time. Tell time. Yeah. If you had Velcro shoes, which were cold. You didn't know how to tie. You don't know how to tie a shoelace. How old are you? So so it's one of those things where it's like one of the things that happened is that you were taking the general proficiency, even if you didn't want to, because you did this because this was the cool thing to do. It meant that you were some some sort of level proficiency, even though, like you said, most of us never take the map beyond, you know, this level. But, you know, it's just one of those things that's sort of like you sort of need it. But in the magical world, I would see that the subjects are 
much more fundamental. Because nah, these children I mean, don't know how seriously. to use a wand before they were 11. But we don't need Neville turning shit into stuff. Well, I mean, what? I mean, well, if he doesn't want to be an Auror, we know that herbology is his thing, that he's probably going to do something of that nature for the rest of his life because that's what he's passionate about. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, it, it, it would be different. Like, so for Harry, for example, he gets his, he gets his owl, he gets his grades and he says like, he's feeling sad because he realizes now that his chances of being an aura are gone because there's no way he's going to get that. Oh, in potions and Snape won't take anything less. So, that no, sucks. he assumed that he no, he assumed what Snape said was the standard rule. Well, and he also assumed that Snape would be the professor. No, no, well, no, 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 because no, he, it's he, both. No, he it's told McGonagall. It's both. It's both. I mean, it is. He he assumed he assumed that Snape would be the professor, and therefore, because he didn't get an O, he couldn't take it. Right, and he assumed it was also the standard rule, even after finding out that Slughorn said, "Right, I'm," or that they announced that Slughorn was going to be the professor. That he still couldn't get in because Snape doesn't take anything less than an O. So why would Slughorn? So I think it's it's totally both. But then McGonagall says, "You know, no, 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 no." Slug Professor Slughorn is perfectly happy to take students with ease. So I mean. It works out in his favor because it's not not necessarily that he's passionate about potions because he's not until, you know, this book. And um, but he gets to continue on his desired career path, whereas if Neville is going to, you know, play with plants, does he really need transfiguration? That was what I was. That was my point. I mean, I'm just simply saying Neville needs all the help he can get. Just saying he needs all the help he can get. But he it's just funny needed that, a know, wand, had, right? Uh, well, which 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 is why he would have probably done well in Transfiguration, come because he got a new wand in in year six. But the funny thing is that for them here, at, and always outstanding. But it's funny that in for GC advanced level, if you get an O, it means it's ordinary. And it means that you have not shown any skill of advanced understanding of any of this subject. You're still stuck at the ordinary you, level. <laughs> you are a basic bitch. You are a basic bitch, basically. Exactly. <laughs> but we, but for the Caribbean version, you get numerical grades. So you would get a one, which is the best. And with all A profiles, like all, they would have different, like you would have like shows, computation and understanding, et cetera, et cetera. You would get a letter grade for that. So if you get all A's, you would get that's a one with distinction. And it used to be one and twos were pass grades. And then three used to be between three and five used to be failure. Three and four. And all you would get, I think, is an N grade and a no grade. And sometimes people would get threes only. And then people would say, oh, he's a forester. He got only three trees and it was like so horrible well, like you know what's funny about your grade you know what's funny about this is when so when when the the when they're all talking about you know their grades and and we learn like what they mean and i think it's in the book before this right where fred and george say well you could get a t troll <laughs> i thought i really thought they were right. just bullshitting i thought they were just I like 
<laughs> I did. And then here come the owls in this book and they're reading through it. I'm like, oh my God, that's real. Because wouldn't it be like Fred and George to like just say, to joke around and be like, oh no, no, you can do even worse than that. Well, that's right. But you know, the, the crazy thing is that I think Mrs. Mrs. Weasley is lying about um, the <laughs> Ron. grades because they had to have had proper grade in order to get to, to, to be an NEWT. They had to have right. proper grades, and they couldn't just pass two. So subjects. I'm a little confused about what that actually means, right? I guess, and you're right. Maybe it's a flaw in the book because they they leave in their sixth year. Seventh year. Is it the seventh year the yeah, twins it's just, leave? It's, it's yeah. just at the end. So yeah. what happens though, honestly? Because she says to Ron, "Oh, you got more than." Then Bill or George, whatever their names are. What are their names? Fred and George. Fred and George combined. So if you don't get any, does that, what is, I, what do we ever really learn what school looks like? We don't, right? I mean, are you stuck in remedial potions? No, you'll go back because um, Crab and Goyle are not in any WTs. They're still in, they had to repeat their fifth year. Oh, so you're and repeating. I'm, so it like yeah. is what we would think of as a traditional F, like you failed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. But which is odd because I'm just saying, I couldn't tell you these boys, they should have been failing. They should have had to repeat year one. But I don't know how. No yeah, child just, left there's behind. an expression. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or as we would say, Kirby, they used to say, he was superannuated into the next class. That he was. <laughs> <laughs> So I think it's one of those things that's just like you really love these people were failing. They were never a good student to begin with. So I don't even know how they even got, you know, anyone put them up for any for, for OWLs in the first place. Because typically teachers would say in in our system is that, oh, this student isn't ready for this level. I will right. not sign this person up. They're just wasting the money. They need the remedial help. So I thought that was very, you know, things. But I think that the interesting thing that comes out of this book, at this point in the book, is how to do my girl Hermione. Again, they keep saying, if Hermione doesn't show up, everybody in the class, Hermione has a problem. And that's not how my girl Hermione operates. I'm sorry. That's not how she is. I mean, I get it that she is, you know, that the, 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 I'm the thing that bothers me is just that if I know Harry has this potion book, I would have copied it. I would have copied this book. And I just like, I don't know why he's no so mad that Harry was going to lose it. No, I, I'm not talking about Harry copying the book. I was talking about Ron and Hermione. I would have copied the notes from the book. Well, Hermione doesn't trust explained. it. But right, Hermione doesn't trust it. Hermione but doesn't trust it, nor does she think it's fair. And, and remember, Ron's not Hermione... smart enough to copy. Her, her mind and Ron just figures Harry will tell me. Yeah. But Hermione, Hermione, remember she's very wary of things like that. Now remember how she was about the broom, in um in in book, right. in book three. I mean this is kind of this is in keeping with yes. her character. But um I think as the book goes on, it does get to be personal with her. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's not like so much that she's um. She's competing with Harry. She's competing with whoever the half-blood prince is. So I do think that, um, you know, and I think, as, as I've said all along, Hermione is one of these people who has got it in her head, maybe because she's muggle-born, maybe because, you know, her family 
um, came came from where they came from, that she has to be better than everybody else. And I do think it's messing with her. Um, and we will talk about that, you know, when we get to it. But I think at this very beginning, um, it, it's, it's going to be something that, um, you know, it's more than just a textbook, I mean, to her. Because, because I am saying, because for me, it's just like, despite the, the, the outlandish spell that he is going, you know, it's potion, right? And we know potion mm-hmm. is very technical. It's, right. It's chemistry, right? Yep. And I'm just like, this thing is giving you really good, it, it's showing that it, this is the thing, because for me, it's like, this is the thing that I didn't, I didn't find that part about the, the, the revision that the person was making, our persons were making, right? That actually it's just a person person was making the revision that person was making because it's very clear that this person knew what they were doing and this is how chemistry and medicine and all these things work right there's yep. a refined process like you, there's a revision to it we do this That's this right. way and we do it better and whatever the case to me that potion just doesn't and we have seen that potions new potions have been invented in our lifetime within these books right the wolfbane's potion you know what mm-hmm. i mean and there seem to yep. be like like fixing other things that uh, the potions is an important thing. She even mentioned that in book five when she was talking about potentially being a healer. Right. So I'm just like, I don't know. I, listen to me. I'd have been like Harry, because I know Harry. I would have been a Harry. I would have been copying that book, drying my, <laughs> in my, because it's my own book. So you know what I mean? Because I can write in my own potions book. Because I'm just like, this is an amazing thing. I'm not concerned right. about the, 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 the crap to the sides or the half-blood prints or whatever mess that is. It is the fact that this thing is given a refined process and clearly. And the way in which she behaved, because it didn't make any sense, because she was acting as if potions wasn't instinctive. It wasn't like it was popping into your head. You were following directions like it's a recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. what it is. Remember, There's what, nothing what really instinctual. Made... She made the comparison between the book and Riddle's diary. Right. And um, I think she was just really worried because it seemed to have, and it was, and that first day that they were in class, it obviously helped him. And I think she was worried from, uh, about it from then on. Well, I think she tried to, to to remember she tried, I think, to see, to, 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 to do a spell to see if it would respond, but mm-hmm. it was just a regular textbook. Right. So I think at first she was worried that it was something dark and evil. And right. then I think she was just pissed. Like, listen, why well, are you well, doing better? You're, she thought it was a cheat method. Well, it's not, I, I don't know if it's that because she mentioned that the person in the book seemed to have a sick sense of humor. Right. And, mm-hmm. but, but I think J.K. Rowling keeps and how they treat her right harry and ron just be like you're just mad because harry's doing better than you in potions and i was just like god this is such a re- silly way of but that, reducing i think that that's history. true but i think I, that was a piece of it i hate that characterization because i don't know if because to me that just seemed like because the thing is just that girl you're all about research and information and you can verify whether or not the potions what the person was doing was correct because it's clear what the person with the direction that the person was given was actually correct because Slughorn was Slughorn was attesting to what was happening here was correct even when Harry just made a random um thing 
and it's clear that Turghan was also uh, mentioning that Lily was doing a similar thing, that she was clearly good at um, thing. And he, I think at some point he said, oh, he's even as good as you, Severus. So mm-hmm. I, I think right. Lily and Severus right. probably were really cool. They lie about when in potions and Lily had her own flair for um, this sort of thing. But I was just it's like that whole I, I hate I hate whenever the book reduces Hermione to this character, this this character trait of Hermione, because I'm just like, God, this, this is so messy. It's just a funny way of dealing with to treating women, female characters, that they're always jealous and just wanting for wh- when they're not. Because it almost Well, it's not though. Hermione, Ron like gets a, jealous like too. A, like Ron a gets jealous of this book. Pet. Well, Ron has a lot of issues. And those things are understandable <laughs> because Ron wants the limelight. And I don't know if necessarily Hermione's attitude is the limelight per se. No, but even... <clears throat> listen, I get what you're saying. I don't disagree with it, but I think that is a piece of it. I think she is genuinely pissed that somebody's doing better than her and I it's agree. not 100% of their own accord. I think she is flat out and jealous. I'm, and I'm just like, he's doing the same thing you are doing, girl. He's following the directions in a book. That's it, because yeah, this but isn't... You know... well, that's Ron's theory, right? No, because whoever no, thought because you would be a no... Ron? <laughs> no, 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 no. What I mean yes. is in the other subjects, in the other areas, she clearly is able to do something that they can't do. Understand magical theory, magical complex, magical direction and application, right? Because it, there is this notion that you it's an application in your mind in terms of the pronunciation etc to for make magic happen because she's making good constructs right mm-hmm. like her mm-hmm. her magical transfiguration doesn't have elements of whatever it was before she can clearly do things and she made polyjuice potion so i'm just like Exactly. All the more reason that she's pissed off that Harry is following notes that he didn't come up with on his own in doing right. better than her. This but is a huge doesn't make any potion. This is the thing that I don't I don't get that. I I, I think it makes perfect anyway, sense and I think I it's clear. we get into these weird fights. I'm, I'm, no, like, I I'm mean, fighting the, I'm fighting the book itself. I'm literally fighting what the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm literally fighting the book. Like I didn't want you to write this. I need this to be erased. Okay. I need a rewrite right here. I need a rewrite. <laughs> I'm having an editorial but I, mean, I, fight. I, I, I do think, I think that um, when you have poured your whole identity and your ego at being number one in your, in your schoolwork, that, that, that is being what's being pricked a little bit with Hermione right now. Because she knows it's not that he's better than yep. she is. She, but she sees that he's getting help. And it's, you know, and I think that's what's getting on her nerves. It's, and it's also, I think it's also affecting her in class um, mm-hmm. when they're working. It's like you're, you're in lab and you're so busy watching to see, you know, what, this, what he's going to come up with or what he's going to follow in that book that you're really not as concentrated on what you're doing. Yeah. I think it has, I think it has affected her because she, for, for five books, this has all been about Hermione's the smartest one in every subject. And you know what? Div- div- divination, which she doesn't give a but damn she, about. But, she, but she's getting the praise. I, I think, I think because it's, it's, not, it's not just the best in the class. What I think I'm objecting to is the fact that she seems to require the praise. 
that because it I didn't, don't think it I don't think she requires no, the praise. Because, because, I think she wants to be able to be the smartest, think, and yes, she, you know what, she mind. shows she yes. shows her true colors at the end when she says, "I told you so." <laughs> well, she is petty. That is, we know that is right. I think she Eloise, had uh, to I be think, uh, Marietta Edgecomb will tell you Hermione is petty. You know, at the so, end, she um, just had to be right. Yeah, <laughs> right. I do think that, she, I think that is a strong piece of her that she has to be right. But you know, I'm just saying, girl, copy the book. Copy the book. That is so silly because I know that I would have been doing that because I know if my because I know in school if my friends had like a good set of notes that I thought were really good, like from another person, I would always copy the notes. Um, well, yeah. But you know what, though? Hermione doesn't typically... We hear about Ron and Harry talking, saying that they're going to copy Hermione's homework, but it doesn't seem like they actually do that. It seems like she kind of does it for them. She corrects their homework. Right. So it's it's not like... she tells them what to write. She tells them... She's doing it for them. Yeah. One essay, she was like, take this part out. You've got that wrong. And add this. Yeah, she does a little Maybe bit of that. She's the kind yes. of person who likes to be who likes to be in charge of her domain and How about doesn't everything? like when anyone is upset about that that everything. balance. Well, no, I don't know. I mean, no, she defers to Harry when I it comes to fighting. School stuff. She defers to Harry when it comes to work. I do yeah. think for school work, yeah, she that is her that is her domain. It's her forte. She, it's her forte. It's her domain. She's carved it out. She's perfectly willing to be friends with the with them when they're doing their Quidditch thing or whatever. But mm-hmm. she feels like this is what I do. Yeah. And, so get know, Harry's, mine. The, Harry's the athlete. Ron is Ron. And so poor we Ron. Just, we can never know. categorize Ron. Poor Ron. <laughs> He's not having that in. I hope you know that. Oh Jesus. He hates us for that. And, and I know. As we are wrapping up, um, let me just say that you know. I was when I find out in book six that um that's when we're learning nonverbal spell, I was just like, burn this whole school curriculum down <laughs> to the ground. It is trash. It is trash. It is utter trash. It's only in year six that people figure we could be teaching students how to do spell without actually uttering the words. I'm I mean that is so silly. That is so insane. I, it's building it's, upon what you've already learned. But it's so <laughs> silly. It's just like the, the craziest thing I've ever heard. I was just like, what? I don't know. I just want to burn this whole thing to the ground. But I have to say that, <laughs> that that moment leads to one of my favorite exchange. Because I have done this to teachers. And it Uh-oh. didn't go well just like for Snape. For Harry. What he's doing. Um, oh, is this where he <laughs> says you don't have to call me, sir? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I loved I'm, it. I'm, I want, I'm really looking forward to the next portion when we talk about. I'm, I'm the so lessons. interested in the, in the, in the lessons and the House oh, of Gaunt, oh. particularly the House of Gaunt, because I do oh, have oh. ideas. There's so much there. Oh, it's oh, rich. So much all right. Well, I think the next okay. for show for the for show the next episode is going to be all about the lessons. It's all, all about, about the lessons. All about the lessons. Okay. All of the lessons. No, no skylarking, no dilly wallowing, no segues. Just the lessons. Just the lessons. Okay, Just it's a deal. Lessons. So we say no, okay. but you know we're going to be stuck in the house of God only. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. <laughs> <Get out. laughs> it's, that's a possibility. Right. As always, ladies, this was wonderful. I hope the listeners, you will get two for one special next week, hopefully. They mightn't come on the same day, but you will definitely get them within the same week, hopefully. And let me just give a word of praise to Janina. She has been an excellent technical director. And Yay, she has been, I know she thinks I drag her all the time. But, you know, Deb said, leave it for the young people. And I just said, leave that's it right. to Janina. So, Janina is doing, so the fact that Black Cauldron exists is all about Janina in Harlem, Ohio. Here, so just, here. So, always be Team Janina. Yes, always be Team Janina. I like how that sounds. Definitely. Yeah, so Tony, don't be out here trying to drag reels and say reels is crazy. But, you know, it's all oh, about... Oh, and happy birthday, reels. Happy oh, birthday, reels. I'm waiting for Federer to send me a gift, but you know. Well, that's going to be really like birds. something like magic. <laughs> and Merka is holding those, is, is holding that post string, and she's just like, you will not be spending my money on real snip. <laughs> 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 All right, until next time. Mischief.